Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Sean, it's so great to be back at our kitchen table. And today, what's a crazy day? First day of school when you're trying to get how many kids off? Uh, five. It's well, six, including Valentina. Yesterday was Valentina's first day of school, but today the other five had their first day. So yeah, crazy days. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I was thinking today about how lucky we are. You know, we always talk about how when you have nine kids, you you get do-overs. Yes. So you kind of use the first kids as they they end up being guinea pigs. Experimental. Experimental parenting. Subjects. And, you know, you're you're just more, you're just doing it for the first time and you're kind of enjoying it, but not in the same way, I think, as like the second round of kids. And so I think. There's some frazzle. There's, maybe a little more emotion even around. No, I just think I was so, I felt, I felt more occupied by the busyness of it. And today, way busy. I mean, like I said, getting, you know, six kids ready for school, but I don't know, a little older, a little more wiser. And so I, it's sort of like, you're going to miss this, right? Remember that country song? You're going to miss this. You're going to miss this. Yep. Trace Atkins. Trace Atkins. I love that song. And it's true. Like I, I was able to have these moments where I was sort of able to pull myself outside of my body and sort of look down on the chaos in the kitchen and having my mom and dad there sort of helping out as to, to, and just seeing this family just get itself ready for school and, and pull myself out and go, wow, this is an amazing time that's fleeting. And so I guess my advice to anyone who's listening, who's younger is, you know, try not to get too involved and stressed in the busyness of it all. Try and pull yourself out a little bit and look at it from above and go and, and really take it in and appreciate it and know that you're going to miss this and it is fleeting. Or recognize you are going to be stressed. You are going to be frazzled, but take those moments to go, this is awesome. And it never comes back. First grade never comes back. Eighth grade, freshman year, those things never come back. There's only a, there's a, there's a, there's a one first time of all those grades. Hopefully there's only one first time they're not repeating classes. But you're right, and you, should, and you should take that moment and suck it in and, and enjoy it. And try, and, to, and try to set yourself up for a, a day that's going to be a little less frazzled, can yeah. be a little more enjoyable, and you can and you can suck it in and remember it and enjoy it because it doesn't come back. Right. If you, if you plan a little bit, it kind of makes those mornings a little easier, and you have time to pray before you go to school. We're Catholic, so I, I throw holy water on my kids before they leave the door, and I bless their forehead with the sign of the cross. But those little things are... are you know, they take two seconds and the kids will remember, they can take more if you're, if you're, if you're more organized than Rachel, you can do more. Um, but I think those are important things. This was interesting to see my parents, grandparents kind of looking in, I'm sure they were having their own set of memories. So don't feel sad. You'll get to, you'll get to enjoy it in a different way later on. Um, hopefully if you have grandkids, which I hope to have many of, um, so anyway, you're waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting. I have a married daughter. Every time she calls, I think I'm going to get the call um, that I'm going to be a grandma. So anyway, just just an interesting morning. I think about our friend who's going to join us today, Jack Brewer. Everyone knows him as, you know, former NFL player for the Vikings, for the New York Giants, for the Philadelphia Eagles, for my own Arizona Cardinals. He never made it to the homeland. <laughs> he never made Packers. it to the homeland of the Packers, but he was close in Minnesota. He was. There's a little there's a rivalry there. So His, I'm not sure I like that, but I'm going to take it. Jack, your kid started two weeks ago. Welcome, by the way. Hey, Jack. How's welcome to the kitchen table. Yes. Great to be here. Your kid started two weeks ago? Yeah, they started two weeks ago. And I tell you what, it was uh, 
a little bit of chaos. You know, I've I've I have some experience at this, but you know, first day <laughs> of school, I have a my my uh, he's eleven now, but my eleven year old, he's just man, he he has to have everything perfect and. If it's not, then he lets us know about it. So he, he got off to school okay. So he was pretty much the headache. And, and my five-year-old, she just goes with the flow. Yeah, so the, and this That's is what happens to the second one. Well, and they're all they're all different, right? Some are like wildly organized. Some are disorganized. And they came they, they come from the same same cells and same families. And they just, they're, they're just different little human beings, which is so fascinating to see. I had to remind myself too, Jack, how nervous I was on the first. Like you forget, right? Like the first day of school, it's a big deal. Do you, do you still remember that? Yeah, I still remember it. And, and my son really made me reflect on it because he's like, Dad, you don't understand. This year I get my locker. So it was like, <laughs> I mean, I'm like that's a big deal. Wow, that is that was a big deal, right? The first time you like go from having to have your backpack on all, all day to being able to put your stuff in a locker. I mean, that for a kid, I mean, there, there's oh, nothing. Going from the desk, Jack, you go from the desk where you kind of lift it up and put your stuff in there uh, or slide it, you know, know, underneath the the piece of wood or fake wood to actually having your own locker. This is like big time. Like you've arrived. You're it's kind of like mini adulthood when you get your locker. You walk (laughs) a little taller, a little, you know, a little more confidence. Also, boys could slip notes into your locker or boys can slip notes into girls locker. There's a lot that goes on. So how old is your son? He's he's 11. 11. Yeah. So that would be fifth grade. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So high school's school life is changing, though. I mean, these are these beautiful memories that sort of sound a lot like when we were kids. But you and I and Sean are friends and we text every now and then. You sent me a text the other day, Jack, saying I'm really worried about what's going on in American high schools and especially related to football, because football obviously is your passion is so important to you. And we have seen over the last, you know, few weeks, some high school games that have been, you know, ruined, um, tarnished by school shootings Two in two of them. Um, one of them was in Port Allen high school in Louisiana, a 12 year old shot, another 12 year old shot in Baltimore. Um, but Jack, you go to a lot of football games. What's changing, uh, from when you were a kid or even, you know, maybe just a few years ago to what's happening right now in sports programs. You, You know, it's, uh, it's really it's hard to, to to talk about and even comprehend unless you go. You know, I I hadn't been to um, a youth football game. I had been to some you know kind of older kids, you know, middle school, high school. But I went to a youth football game uh, a couple weeks ago, and you walk in there, and the music that you hear is literally music that you know you you'd expect from you know college kids. I mean, every word is a cuss word. And these, and I was actually, I was watching the, I mean, these are seven and eight year olds I was watching and the music was just blasting. And, you know, I I walked down to go grab a water from the concession stand and these two men were cussing each other out, having fist about the fight, pushing each other and about the fight. Uh, And so I just felt really uncomfortable. Uh, It was a situation where you know, I personally would not have had my kids with me. My son had a soccer game, so he couldn't make it. But uh, I, it was it was a very, very kind of dark feeling there. 
uh, and you're watching these kids play, but it's all about the parents. Um, I mean, you could tell on the sidelines you know, that these parents were living through their kids and they're cussing at their kids and every other, every other word uh, is a word that it wouldn't even be allowed in my house. And so, you know, if, if, if the parents have gone there, and which is which means that they're going to allow coaches, you know, who who are supposed to be, you know, the individuals that you look up to. I mean, when when I was growing up playing seven, eight, nine year old football, you know, my coach is my dad. And there were other, you know, my assistant coaches were, you know, men in the community who I saw as my protectors and my role model who I wanted to be like. And so I think we have a, a big issue going on now because you know, if 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 that's not the safe place anymore, you know, where are the kids going to actually get poured into? So, Jack, you I mean, you, you mentioned that the parents are living through their kids. And I would I would argue that parents have been living through their kids for probably a couple of generations now. So yep. I don't know that that's necessarily it. But what shocks me is when I mean, I'd be shocked if, you know, again, adults aren't in the room for, you know, some of these high school sports teams playing that kind of music. But that you have, you know, elementary and middle schoolers listening to this kind of music, which again, music is one thing, and I think we're seeing we're seeing a push off of the music into something else as well. But usually we have adults in the room to say, "Listen, that's listen, whoa, 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 you guys, you guys in middle school might want to play this, but we're not going to." Um, adults would say no to bad behavior or bad music. If you're in elementary school, um, you're dealing with young kids. The kids aren't probably playing that music. It's actually more than likely coming from the parents or the adults or the coaches playing this vile music with vile language and and sharing that with the kids. Is that what's is it are the kids driving this or the parents driving this, Jack? Yeah, yeah. The parents are definitely driving. And that's what I meant when I said they're living through their kids. You, right. It's one thing it's one thing to live through your kids and want them to uh learn enjoy things as children, experience it as children. It's one thing to live through your kids and to treat them and expose them to everything in the world. And that's what's going on is there, there is no barrier now, mm. right? There is no, nothing that's considered inappropriate. The, 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 the moral standard has been completely blown up. Um, you can go to communities now and there literally is no morality. I haven't even gotten to how the moms were dressed on the sideline. Well, let's I mean, talk about that. that <laughs> I mean, that everything's hanging out. I mean, it is completely, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's disgusting, if you mean to put words yeah. to it, to, to see this and no, no class at all, right? There's no yes, ma'am. There's no yes, sir. Um, when I played football and my coach said something to me, it was yes, sir. And, 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 and now there is no discipline. Every single time a kid makes a play, they're dancing on the sideline. It's like a circus. And so I think when you, when you start to break down, um, you know, particularly we talk about football, right? Football is, is a masculine sport. It's, it's, it's a sport where it should be high discipline. You know, usually your football players are your kids that aren't going to be getting in a lot of trouble at school because their coaches are going to be on them. And I think nowadays you're seeing that change. I mean, just, I mean, it, it it's inc inconceivable to think that you could have three shootings at a high school football game on one day in America. 
I mean, think yeah. about that. That that I mean, we are at a serious crisis. But what's even more concerning is no one talks about it, right? You don't hear um, it, it, the the National Football League or the NCAA putting out statements. You don't hear any of the major coaching organizations or sports bodies talking about the cultural decline and the moral decline of the sport at the youth level. And that is where it has to come from. You, ha you have to demand that the game not be disrespected. And across America, no matter what sport we're talking about now, we are, are literally disrespecting the game and the games that have really been, you know, critical to, to our society and critical to our culture. Uh, now we're disrespecting them. And it goes, if there is no boundaries, you're going to continue to let men compete against women. If there is no boundaries, you're going to continue to let full teams um, kneel at the flag instead of standing and respecting the flag. There, there's, there's nothing that you can't do now in sports. Uh, and I think that needs to change. Well, you know, Jack, well, you, you, you talk about, we kind of think of uh, Friday Night Lights, right? We, and again, I, I grew up, I haven't been to a, a football game in a, in a, in a while. Um, but high school, it, a high school football game. Yeah. It, but, but it's one of those times where kind of the community comes together, whether you have a, a kid playing or a kid in high school, just right. the community comes out, would come out to watch the young people in their community play the game and they enjoyed the game and they enjoyed seeing these young kids perform to the best of their abilities. And it was, it's Americana. Um, That's right. someone, someone might argue on this podcast that it's actually baseball, but it was really football is, is that sport. And, What's, what I think we're seeing is we've seen that you, you alluded to this, this degradation of society. And we have men playing against women. We have schools now saying that they're in charge of your kids, that parents don't have rights. And we see violence on the streets, no discipline, people not being punished for crimes that they commit. All of these things are happening. And maybe what we're recognizing here is football has been one of the last holdouts or sports have been one of the last holdouts because, and, and you know this better than anybody having played you know pro football, is it's a game of discipline. And a lot of these parents probably imagine, I want my kids to be successful in this sport. And I think probably every parent, you know, they, they drive every every night and every weekend to their games and they buy them equipment and spend a lot of money because they think maybe their child has a shot at making it to where you made it, Jack. And again, it came from discipline and respect. And so this was the last kind of holdout, it seems like, right. that sports were the last thing now to fall. But now even sports has gone there. It's 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 caved to the culture that we've seen but it, develop over the last 10 but years. But it was also a place where if there was chaos in your home, and Jack, you know this because you have the Jack Brewer Foundation, which, by the way, I've gone and seen what Jack is doing yeah. with young stories marginalized kids all the way to the prisons. Um, and, and Jack is somebody who, who doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. Um, he's coaching these kids. Um, he's an NFL player who can actually, you know, you're, you're coaching. I mean, I, I remember when I went to see you coaching these little kids, I'm like, I can't imagine if my kids were being coached by Jack Brewer. But like, it was you, amazing. You could be Deion Sanders. But <laughs> you're not doing the Deion Sanders high school game or college games. You're like, no, I'm taking the little kids. I'm, I'm gonna, picking I'm the little kids who really need matters. the little kids who need help. The That's little right. kids whose homes are chaos. And a lot of times those kids could go to the football field or the baseball field or the soccer field and get the discipline and the respect and the sort of skills that they weren't 
getting at home. And that's really sad for me to hear, Jack, that they're not getting that in sports anymore, because then what the heck is sports for at that age? It, it is. It, that's spot on. And it's uh, it, it, it really is sad, but it's it's a reflection of, of the battle yes. that we're facing. It's a direct reflection because now uh, we're seeing that the enemy is taking all of these platforms. And, and Sean alluded to this and he put it very good when he said, you know, that used to be the stage. Right. That's where you put your crown on your homecoming <laughs> king and yeah. queen. Right. That's where. You know, the dance team got a chance to go out and show everybody mm-hmm. like it, that football games and those games was the big stage for the entire community to show. The mayor was out there. And if yep. you wanted to if honor somebody, you want to honor the military. That's where you do it. Holidays. That's where you celebrate them. I mean, so to members to, of to Congress take, actually walk through the crowd and shake hands. I can attest yes. to that, Jack. <laughs> That, that's probably the last time you went to Friday Night Lights. It was. It, it was. I was shaking hands and the great places to be. Everyone in a good mood, especially right. at the start of the game. Yeah, but th- think about it being ruined by, you know, music that's embarrassing for us to even listen to because it's so it's 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 so bad. But it's, it's not even that. But it was. So or, we're, talking about, we're talking about the music, but now but, we're but, seeing what Jack is talking about with the music in these elementary games. Yeah. We're seeing this now, something we've never heard of, which is the shootings that are now happening at the same games. It's, there's a connection between, maybe are you making that connection, Jack? Music, yes. the, culture, the culture, to now violence. Yeah, and I right. think you said, Jack, that when you, you said to me, it felt like more, more like a rap concert than a wholesome football game. No doubt. It was like I was at a rap concert. So when you, you know, to, and, I, and I go back to Sean's point of, of kind of that, that stage that's set right in the community. Now, all of a sudden you take that stage and in certain communities that's become like a rap concert. So I hadn't even gone to smelling the weed smoke in the air yeah. <laughs> at a youth game. Cause I, yeah, was wow. I haven't wow. gotten to that part yet. And I, and I also, <laughs> I, I also hadn't gotten to the point where, you know, you really start to, to look at the teams on the field, the way that they're the the way that they're dressed, right? I mean, the kids are out there, and it is a show, and it's all about me. It's not about team, team. And, and and so you know when you start changing that part of the culture of the game of football, because all of the that's where it's supposed to teach you, uh, and then you're filling up these kids with you know weed smoke in the air becomes normal, right? Uh, and then you know I'll put the cherry on top of this whole thing, I bet you there was $20,000 gambled on the games. Oh, my God. So that's why you're getting the shootings. You're getting the shootings right. because now this is the area where you're bringing in the hustlers and the drug dealers, and they're the dads, and they're gambling and betting on their kids, right? They're the <laughs> – I mean, this is crazy to wow. even think about, but I'm telling you what's happening and the reason you're seeing these shootings – and think about it. If you saw three shootings in one weekend, think about the number of altercations you have. Think about the number of incidents that you have that don't get to the point of shooting at each other. Think about the culture that's being created. It's sick. You know, uh, there's a lot of spaces in our lives that that women take over. We got a lot of 
girl bosses. I have a lot of girl bosses in my life, Jack. Um, That's, he's not talking about me, by the way. So okay, well, I, I, well, I'm talking about work. I'm talking about Rachel. I'm talking about, I, I've got six girls in my home. Six daughters, yeah. Six daughters. So, but this is a space for men. Um, men own football. And you right. women are offended by that. I'm sorry, but this is a this is a no, place you said where it's a masculine sport. It's a male right. sport. And their boys and their coaches get together and and they play the game and they learn respect and, and as we talked about discipline. Where in the hell are the dads? Maybe these are the, maybe yeah. I said these are the but, dads, but where is where's is, is there one good dad out there to go, what the hell are we doing? Do we want these boys to have a shot at playing high school ball, playing college ball? And if we do. What we're doing is going to make sure that these kids never have a chance, never have a shot, no matter how much talent they have. If they yeah. play for themselves, not for a team, if they um, are all about dancing in the end zone, if they're um, smoking you, weed. <laughs> yeah. Or this is the environment that listen to this music. This is the environment we create. We're, we're actually doing a disservice to our boys who, again, it the, the game is great and the game has been great to you, but yep. a vat 90, probably 99 point, Eight percent of kids don't make it to where you they don't make it. They don't play college ball, but the skills yep. that we get in our life from sports, the skills that we learn how to deal with all kinds of issues that are going to come up in our work, in our personal life, in our marriages, and raising our own kids, you learn from. I played hockey, you, but you learn from playing a sport. That's right. These kids aren't learning the damn lesson at all from at all. this sport. And I go, is there one dad out there going, "This is bullshit"? Sorry. We got to we got to change course. There is, and Sean, actually, I have a, a really close friend of mine um, who who helps us at the foundation. His son's one of the top quarterbacks in the state of Florida. He's eleven years old, and he is forced to have and go and play these teams and go to these places. And you know, he doesn't put up with it. So, you know, he'll say things, and you know, How he said now that. How is that received when he, he when, when at, one dad stands up? He said at first, you know, it was a little tense, but like, <laughs> you know, now when he comes, they they put out the blunt or the or the joint that they're smoking. They put it out. You know, he'll say, "Hey, man, you know, we really got to do that." And he said the music he hadn't been able to. <laughs> he can, that one's a bigger challenge than he's able to take on. But you know, he's stuck in a situation where his son is. You know, super talented, God-given gift, right? And the only way you can play, um, particularly down there in Florida where I'm at, the only way you can play is if you play some of these teams in this environment. Um, keep in mind, and, and, and Rachel, you've you, you seen my community you, mm -hmm. where I live. It's not like this is, you know, we're not in the middle of the hood by no. any means. But no. the, even, even the programs that are in right directly, like connected to us, have to go into these places and play and have to be in this environment. So it's like you got to almost armor your child up, you know, the good dads and the, the, the folks. And I don't want to say good, but the ones that are righteous and have some morals to them to keep your kid from getting exposed to things that they're not prepared for. And right. I think that's that's the biggest that's that's what's so sad about yes. it. You know, some of these kids are exposed to these type of things when they're six, seven, eight years old. I was exposed to a lot early, but my 11 year old son's a lot different than me. If you expose him to the things that I was exposed to at 11, you know, he would. <laughs> it's no telling what would happen to him. And I think that's 
what you're seeing in our society is mentally, you know, you have such a wide range of exposure for children. And so, uh, uh, you know, a, a child can be corrupted so easily, right, if they don't know how to, to respond, react, or take take on things. And so, you know, obviously you guys know me. I go to scripture and I try to keep my kid kind of armed with the word of God and relying on that. And you just don't see that with this culture. I mean, I, you know, you didn't, I didn't see a semblance. It looked like pagans out there. Mm-hmm. It looked like I was watching, you know, a game in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah, to be quite yeah. honest with you. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can only imagine, you know, it's interesting <clears throat> whether your kids are in sports or not. The intentional um, it's intentional that there are mm-hmm. forces out there trying to sexualize children, to yeah. separate them from from the values of their parents or if their parents don't have the values, the val- Christian values. It's absolutely intentional. Jack, we had a. um <clears throat> We had a guy on our show, a podcast. We did a whole podcast on this, which is the Marxist roots. I mean, you can go back over a hundred years. Um, they experimented with this in Hungary. Marxists did. They actually had a they they had a, a Marxist who wanted to take over the, the 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 society, and the theory was we're going to sexualize children because that's the quickest way to separate them from their values. Um, to sort of destabilize them and turn them into Marxist activists. Now, eventually, the Hungarians, this is back in the um, yeah. the the early 1900s, they 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 kicked this guy out of the country. He went to Germany and started doing stuff there, and that actually traveled back. That was the Frankfurt School, and they actually traveled back to the United States, where the Marxists have been doing their work ever since. So, when people think, that, "Oh, this is just a a, a consequence of modern times." It's so much deeper than that. There is an absolute, it's intentional. It's part of developing. If this is an ideology, this is a different religion. It's a, this is Mm. an extreme Mm. atheism. It's demonic at its heart. And that's Ah. why I think when I, let's talk about the solutions. You say you arm your children with scriptures. Um, What can we do? Let's start with football because I think that is a big part of American culture. If you're a parent, and you're starting to see this kind of culture at your local uh, football, uh, you know, team and 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 at these games. What should you do, and how do you and how do you have, how do you get that courage to do it? Do you, do you try and, you know, get more parents to join you? What what is the strategy? Well, I, I would say it starts from the top. And if I was a parent, you know, I would I would start with, um, you know, literally going and meeting. Uh, with your local coaches association reps, right? Um, going, go we need to contact whether it's Safe Sport or the different the different agencies in the cities and the leagues that uh, give coaches the authority to coach. We've gotten so, and I think council culture also has a lot to do with this because um, it's 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 almost like you can't require anything now from a coach like. If, if, if there should not be, uh, there should be a rule that doesn't allow you to use swear words and cuss at seven year olds, like that. Yeah, that that's, that's kind of common the, sense, Jack. But, common yeah. sense, and and it's not there, right? And so you know the basics. When you get away from the basics, it's just like football. It's about blocking and tackling. It's about fundamentals. Well, it's the same thing with coaching and parenting. We have to get back to the basics. 
and parents have Amen, to demand. Jack. Yeah, Amen. They, they got to they gotta demand that these coaches do common sense things like language, like setting rules, certain things that they just can't allow or you can't coach. And so I think it starts there. And I think if we get back to there, um, then, you know, it, it, it may not be uh, good. It may not be a place where that, that solves all of our issues. But I think we can get back to some normalcy. But at this point in time, we don't have any basics. And then there's there's just there's no rules. Uh, and I think that needs to change quickly. And so that if I, if, yeah, if I was so. parents, that's where that's where I would put my efforts. I know personally that's where I'm putting my efforts is trying to get back to the basics. And, you know, you saw my program. That's what we're trying to do. How you eat at the table, how you talk, how you look, who you hang around with, just stuff. You know, we don't need to co- go in and, 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 and nuke everything, but I think we do uh, need to have a major shift, uh, particularly in sports and, and education. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Some and, basic standards. And I think that's right. If you if you have a certain standards that are coming from the coaching staff on a team, it's like, listen, you want to play, family? Um, these are the rules that we're going to follow on this team. If you don't want to play, that's fine. But if you right. if, if you sign the if you sign on the dotted line, you and your son, this is what we're going to expect from your child. This is what we're not going to allow on the field from your child. Basic rules of the road that they agree to before they come on the field. But you have to have those standards that you're, you're right are probably agreed upon on a broad basis from coaches. I think there's another point too, Jack, and this kind of probably comes into where you're at. You mentioned that you're not seeing anyone from higher levels, whether it's college or uh, uh, or pro, kind of engaging in what's happening in the sport. And I have I to. Know, I love that too. If it's you have point. someone. There's a there's a number of people who are highly respected that if they said again it's not about the parents we don't have to demonize what's happening but going back to the basics too of if you want to make it if you want any player on your team to have a shot these are the principles by which you have to you know instruct coach to play by and live by um, and almost something like I'm not I'm not saying it as a dad but look at you know, name, you know, name your, name your player. Look at, you know, look at, look at what these guys are saying. And and, and, and we want to give our kids a shot. And I mean, maybe that's your role to go. I, I got to get some of these. Some so is of this these going, guys. Are you saying Sean, that this should come from the NF, like the yeah. NFL Where's should it? go. Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers should come out and go like, you know what, what I'm seeing or someone like Rogers, I, I I'm seeing what's happening. This is unacceptable. You're never going to make it. Could Aaron, you have made stats. it Jack? Jack, could you have made it under uh, gotten as far as you gotten under these conditions? You know what? I would have just because of my dad. Because he's just because of his dad. <laughs> you know, you're right. My dad. Yeah. My dad, dad wasn't going to put up with it. Warrior. Oh yeah, my dad's a warrior. I mean, he would have. <laughs> he would have immediately, and he was a man that still is a man that commands respect wherever he goes. And so, I didn't see a lot of that out there. And the and and the and, and not that others didn't have the grace like my dad had. It's just they used their grace. You know, they were the ones who were, you know, instigating the, the riffraff. And so right, it's just, right. It was the, <laughs> you know? but, that, but this kind of goes back to what you've always been talking about, Jack. You've said forever. I've heard you. I don't know how many times, at, at least on Fox News. If we solve the fatherhood problem in America, if there were more dads like yours, we wouldn't be talking about any of the stuff we'd have to talk about in any terms of, of the degradation of the culture. 
any of it. And, and Rachel, I'll tell you this. I, I serve on the commission for the social status of black men and boys, which they're probably going to kick me off of coming next February because I'm a Trump appointee and they don't like what I say. I, right. I, I have been pushing fatherlessness so that we can put in policies across this nation. These people go in and do some research paper and they come back and they, and their rebuttal to me um, was that, Oh, we did a study and black fathers are the most engaged fathers in America. They, they coach and they are mentors and they and I'm sitting there, I'm listening to these people and I'm like, did they forget that I have a, Great dad who had a great dad. I'm a great dad. I'm involved right. in my kids. Like no one is saying that every black dad is not a good dad, but we're saying that there is a huge percentage of our population that doesn't have a good dad in their That's right. in their homes. And so now it's been become a, a, an off offensive to black people if you say that we have a fatherlessness issue. Well, I welcome any any black person or any American to go to one of these youth football games that I just went to. And you tell me what you think having a father that's a knucklehead or having a father that just keeps devil music in his ear all day and smokes dope all day around his kids is not a good dad. That's and right. so I don't, I don't care if that offends someone or hurts their feelings, but it, it just, it, it really, it, 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 it makes my flesh crawl and my skin boil when I hear people try to take an issue this big and make it into something that's offensive or make it into something that has to do with race or racism. And, and, and we will never solve these issues if black men don't start first. I, I agree with that. I, <laughs> but, 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 but let's talk about leadership, though. What could the NFL do? Because you see the NFL get involved in a lot of stuff. They're involved in BLM yep. and they're involved in every social justice issue out there. This is this is the this is the this is the how, pipeline. Of kids this is the pipeline. Exactly. So if <laughs> right. you were advising the NFL right now, you're advising the NFL, you're going, I'm seeing a problem. I'm sounding the alarm. I'm seeing the red flags. This new generation is not getting the discipline, the respect, the um, environment that they need to become great young men and to become great athletes. What would what would you tell the NFL to do to help this problem? Well, that question just you just gave me the, a, a great idea. God just used you. The NFL needs to come <laughs> out with a fatherhood playbook and that uh -huh. fatherhood. And that fatherhood playbook, and if they don't do it, I'm going to do it myself. And that fatherhood playbook needs to be something that they can encourage all of their players who are great fathers, because the NFL is full of great fathers, great fathers to endorse and promote and push across this nation. And they need to demand that these youth programs are filled with great fathers because a great coach is a great father. And yeah. I think People like Tony Dungy, right? People um, who uh, have the respect um, that that is that from the game of football, you know, even myself. I mean, most of us got our initial respect from the game of football. And yes. I think that they should have those individuals endorsing this. And I think they should be in front of these coaches associations and they should be uh, at these cities and municipalities um, demanding 
that they don't get their sport degraded and they don't get their sport painted because you're having people getting shot on the sideline. Because you might have someone like me. I mean, I might go, I want my kid to play football, but I don't want them in an environment where there's, you know, rap music that has really, you know, a bad language. And I don't want my coach cussing at my kid. And I don't want weed wafting through the air at my kids' games. And I don't want all these, you know, moms dressed like sluts there. I mean, like, what do we get? I mean, like, they're not going to play football. They're not, I'm I'm going to protect my child. So there's some simple (laughs) things that they can say. There's no weed. Like if somebody is smoking weed, get them to have out. That's not appropriate yeah. for kids. And and the music needs to be appropriate for sports. It can't be something that degrades women or has cuss words in it. Um, you know, there's if there's any chance that there's gambling out there and 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 parents are getting involved. I mean, so there's some rules that could be or standards set all the way at the top of the NFL. But for you, every single little league, I, I think that's right. But I, I love what Jack said, though. If I mean, if out of all the the NFL gets involved in, to your point, Rachel, the most important thing they could they could actually promote is fatherhood. Yeah, they there's could, no question. They, they, in, the, in the in the in in the playbook for fatherhood, Jack, that is a great idea because they, they, we might we might like it, we might hate it, but you know these players are giants in our communities, um, in our states, um, on the national stage. And if they're promoting these values, that can have real impact on going, you know what? Could I be a better dad? Could I be a more involved father? Um, you might start touching hearts in a way that you never thought you could. And I, this is all, I think many, many, a vast majority of, of the problems we face comes back to fatherlessness. You're right. And and the NFL could play a big role in that. No, definitely. I, I, I agree. And I think this is an opportunity. I think, we're going to all remember this show um, because uh, when 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 you asked me that question, something came up on my spirit. And so um, and, and I think both of you know me by now when something comes on my spirit. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> I'm not going to just sit back. I, I, I still have that that old, you know, kickoff coverage guy mentality <laughs> i love that the fatherhood playbook uh, yes. this is the, the jack that that's exactly right and when they don't get that playbook they end up many kids end up in jail in prison and that's the other part of the jack brewer foundation that you work towards i got a chance sean you know how much it impacted my life when i went down to see the prison where i mean and, and by the way, I want Jack has some news, some some news that he's going to break for you and our listeners about that. But this was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen going to a prison. Some of these people were there for life. Some of them were about to get out, but there was a separate program. And Jack, you could probably describe it better, um, but a program where they could learn real life skills. Right. Or for those that were in jail, you know, in prison forever, like they had multiple life sentences and we met people like that. They found purpose in their life. There was music. There was prayer. They learned art. They learned woodwork. They had something to look forward to. But boy, if we could stop them from even getting there, which is right. which is the goal of your youth programs that you do. But then when they do end up there, you give them hope Um that, that there's something beyond this. So let's talk about what's going on with that, because I know some huge news has happened um, for particularly the prison ministry. Yeah. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah. So uh, you're exactly right. It's, it, it's about rehabilitation, you know, no matter what you look at, you know, and it just is driven from, from faith and from 
my belief in the Bible, right? And, you know, do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and for all that is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And how do you, how do you really re- help someone renew their mind? Um, isn't that what prison's for, right? Isn't that what juvenile is for? Isn't that what school is for, right? It's, it's to help. It should be to help renew um, a child's mind. Uh, and right now, unfortunately, in all of those institutions that I just mentioned, it's just not happening. We're actually uh, putting people in situations where their minds are being made worse in a lot of ways or, you know, reading the math proficiency levels are in the tank and not growing. And so the schools aren't doing their job. Or if you talk about criminal justice, you're putting people in prison and they're getting out and they're going right back to prison, right? Look at major cities, you know, New York and Detroit and all over the country. We're letting people out of jail. After going to jail, they go right back. And so we are not doing our job to renew the mind of the most vulnerable individuals. And so that is a problem that the Jack Brewer Foundation has taken on. And we take th- we've taken that on because the fatherlessness crisis is at its worst in our prisons and jails, because all those men are locked up with kids that have a high probability of getting lock- locked up. You're 20 times more likely to go to jail if you're fatherless. The, the dropout rate. 20 times. You're 20 times more 20 likely times. to go to jail if you're, if you're fatherless. in a fatherless home. Wow. Yeah. So Sean, let me give you an example. So when, when Rachel came to see one of my prison classes, um, about 85% of those men in that prison class were fatherless or didn't have an active father in their, in their lives. And so you think about having entire prisons with, with that many people who were fatherless. It's, it's, it really is. It, it's and the pain, blowing. the emotional pain right. of it, Jack. I mean, you, these are grown tough men with some of had tattoos on their face and yet they're carrying around the pain from not having had their father in their life. And by the way, Jack, you look at Barack Obama. Yep. I, I, when I see Barack Obama, I see a man who still is carrying the pain of not having had a father in his life. Rachel, you are spot on. You can see it. You can tell uh, it, it, it to why he, he doesn't really stand for, for anything and is so willing to to uh just you know disregard his his basic morality and truth i mean this man has been around you know preachers and churches and faith and knows he's seen the world and so you know he's so quick to change based upon uh what everyone else feels uh and and that's just that's right. He's wounded. And he, he's looking for acceptance. He, 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 it has to be, you know, the world, the world has become his God. Uh, and that's unfortunate. You know, Jack, I, w- I was a prosecutor for 10 years and as I, I was struck by what you, your, your program and your talk, your, 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 the purpose of rehabilitation, which I agree with. Um, I, I don't know if the system is tapped, if the system has lost, lost its way or the system never actually worked, but, I didn't have, I had little faith that the bad actors who um, I prosecuted and they went, they went to a, a, a longer term jail sentence or my repeat offenders or the ones I sent to prison. Um, I didn't have a lot of faith in rehabilitation and no. I, I, and I don't know that it it's a system problem. It's both, but 
the individual, as you know, has to have it in their heart to go, I want to do something different. I want to change my life. And then if they have the desire in their heart to change their lives, there has to be programs like what you provide to say, you know what, we're going to give you the tools. We're going to give you, you know, we're going to talk about the faith. We're going to talk about the humanity and, and do that work that can actually help people rehabilitate. But it has, you have to have a program like yours, but also someone who's like, you know what, I want to change. Cause as Rachel mentioned, I thought the whole, the whole, the whole jail system that, that she went and saw was part of your program. They're not, you have some, some of the men in prison have decided, you know what, I, I like what, you know, what's happening in Jack's program. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to get and not all of them wanted it. Not all of them wanted it, but right. the ones that do have found meaning and, and to Rachel's point found purpose, but you have to have a light in your heart. Just one, one little spark to, 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 to light and, and, and pursue. And you need a program like yours that can give that to people. That give you people hope that it's been so successful, Jack. Um, explain how much it's grown because something new's just happened. Yes. Uh, I, I know that was a long way of, of telling <laughs> this. But no, I no, I, I want people to know up. what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. So uh, we were we were just awarded um, a grant by the state of Florida. Um, Governor DeSantis uh, put in place a fatherhood bill and legislation, um, which I, which I supported um, and 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 helped with the vision of, and we were uh, able to to get this grant that's going to allow us. Uh, to literally spread our programs across the state of Florida, we are so wow. excited. We so how many we'll, prisons we'll, are how many prisons were you in when I saw your that one prison? How many other prisons? How many other programs were in prisons? And how much will you grow now? So the prisons the 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 program that you saw uh, was in three prisons at that time. Uh, this this program now will will expand to probably fifteen. Uh, but it, wow. it, it it's not just the prisons. The, the the biggest impact is our is our post release uh, and our community engagement. And so what you saw what, there. What is that, you, Jack? What are you what are you doing with the the, the post release work that you do? So 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 here's what we do. So Rachel saw our, our community center there. So our community center is a place where families can come um, and get parenting classes. Families can send their kids there. Uh, to get reading and math proficiency training so that we can actually address the effects of a father being in prison on their kids. And how can we do that? Right. We know that you're five times more likely to live in poverty if you're in prison. Well, we now have uh, a major food distribution uh, component. I opened up a food pantry since Rachel has been there. I opened it up about two months ago. This is the com- this is the com- this is sort of like that after school program that you had, right? Exactly. Yeah, Sports, no, but I, I, it's academics, it's everything that a father. Everything. Yeah, and I expanded it. Now we we delivered fifty one thousand pounds of food in the in the July, for example, to the same families, and so now it's, it's becoming full circle, so that we can offer that community programming to the individuals who are impacted directly uh, by their by their uh, husband or their their father being inside the prisons. And so in inside the prison, we're also increasing our our capabilities. We'll have uh, a total of 18 facilitators and case managers now that will be canvassing the state of Florida, putting our evidence-based program inside the facilities. So we'll support the Florida Department of Corrections facilities in, in identifying fathers. Uh, we, we're working directly with the Department of Revenue in Florida so that each uh, individual that has a child support case 
can now work with us and we put together a child support recovery case plan that's going to allow them uh, to get vocational skills. We help them with job placement. We make sure they get housing. We make sure they it's get like a second chance license. at being a dad. It's a second it. chance at fatherhood. That's it. It's second chance program. And that's that's what it is. That was the vision behind it. We tried to identify as many things that we could uh, address. Again, keeping it with the basics. You need a driver's license so you can't do anything right. You need to have some type of skill to get a job and, and your kids need to eat and be able to read and write. And so it's not, you know, we're blocking and tackling. Um, but I think the state saw saw the impact that we're having uh, and, and and they want to take it uh, across the state of Florida. And, and we're blessed for it. Jack, you're you're obviously uh, you have a lot of energy. Um, you do a lot of things. You give a lot back. Um, most people are the most uh, again, again, the ninety nine point eight percent that make it in the NFL. Those. You know, probably a uh, fewer people who are like the Jack Brewers of the world who try to make their community and their state a better place. But I, I think a lot of people have good hearts. A lot of people have good hearts, and they go, "Well, Jack was Jack is. I mean, now he's going to expand to fifteen prisons, and it's not just in prisons. And he's doing this 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 after program and and the focus on fatherhood and making sure kids don't get in jail and you know kids are fed. And I mean, it's remarkable." But if if people listen to our podcast to go, you know what I I do I want to help make a change in my community. I want to make the world a, just a little bit better because I lived in it. What advice do you have for people who are like, you know what I want to I want to I want to make one small small ounce of change, um, in in the in the community in which I live or the or the family in which I I live. First off, you you gotta play you gotta pray for for discernment and wisdom. Yes, uh, we're, we are all called to do different things. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, our calling may be the the one who can sow the seed. Sometimes our calling can be the one who has a little extra time to go in uh, and, and teach that that underserved kid how to read and write. You know, so there's it's just there's so many ways we can do it. But I think we need to have more discernment with our giving. You know, I see people that come to me all the time that want to start their own organizations, but they really don't have the grace for it. Um, I, I see people who are just giving money, but they have so much else that they could actually be be giving and doing that would help make an impact more than just the, the treasure. And so I think the discernment is really where it starts in remembering that when you serve, it's spiritual. It's not physical. And so it's not always about what makes you feel good. It's about when you see that impact and you see God work through you. And so I think if you keep the mentality of making sure that you always have God working through you, I think you uh, we will impact the community because at the end of the day, we'll be saving souls. Um, and it has to come back to that. I, I think that's such a great answer um, because it's it's the right way to start. For every single person, there's something they can do. I also love that you're partnering with government. I'm sick and tired of these kinds of of ministries, this kind of work being given to soulless bureaucrats instead of religious people of faith who actually want to save the souls and the families that are injured um, by by this culture, by this culture of fatherlessness, this wounding that has happened. It was never going to be resolved. Um, it's never going to be fixed by soulless, secular um uh, uh, bureaucrats. And so, you know, God bless 
Governor Ron DeSantis. He is doing a fantastic job in Florida. Um, The people of Florida need him. And the fact that he saw what you were doing and decided to put the power of government to sort of supercharge that is exactly the way it should be. You're right. Um, I I love him. I think he's doing an amazing job. Uh, And anytime anyone sees, you know, something that that they know is working, um, he addresses that. And it took a lot of courage to do it. And he's the reason he's the first it's the first state to actually pass legislation like this. Uh, Rachel, but you said something else, you know, um, and and I'm, I'm open when I say this. I've never taken a penny from my foundation. I, I don't get paid. I, I, I do. I, I literally work 50, 60 hours a week on my do. nonprofit. And I know everybody's not able to do that. And that's why I always go back to the grace, right? God has blessed me with other sources of income. But I think ministries need to be, be ministries again. Your motivation can't be how much you're making from your ministry if it's your ministry. The word ministry in the Bible means to serve. And until mm-hmm. we really have people that are willing to serve again, and that means put out any type of personal interest, right? So I'm blessed. I write, I'm one of the biggest donors to my foundation because <laughs> I, 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 I write checks. And you know what? If 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 we if we need to expand and buy a van and we don't have the money, I write the check for it. Or I go Jack's find one of band. my close, fr- <laughs> close friends. But I'm serious. It's, it's, we have so many organizations and you look at how much they spend and it's all salaries of executives and this person, this person, man, go pay your people on the ground and be yeah. done with it. Right? I, think so- of, I, I think of the Clinton foundation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect example of, of someone who hasn't discerned and has the wrong idea. By the way, Jack when I was visiting Jack, he had someone who had gone through his program at the prison had graduated from his program, was now serving that program by becoming, uh, you know, a mentor to other prisoners who's living in Jack Brewer's house uh, because that's the kind of guy Jack is. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's real. It's not. And, and by the way, when people think about donating, I, I, I will I will say there is no better place. And you, you talk about discern what you can give. Maybe you can't start this in your town. But you can give money to the Jack Brewer Foundation. And I'm telling you, I saw this up close and personal. It is God's work. It is well thought out. It has helped me. The 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 most marginalized children in our community, those without fathers, giving them what they what they didn't get from their own dads, training their dads who are in jail to become those dads. I mean, I can't think of anything better. Jack, can I can I throw something? You you mentioned that you still serve on the board as a as a uh, Trump appointee. Um, yeah. and that you're, you're probably getting kicked off, you know, next year. And it yeah. reminded me that Jack Brewer used to be a Democrat. Uh, right. I think you actually told Donald Trump that he was the first black president, if I'm not mistaken. I think you right. said that. Um, can you just, I, I know this, this is a little off topic, but it is similar. I mean, I th- you gotta go, where, where, where does my faith lead me? Where does, you know, who's doing the work of, um, of not of guy, but who's, but who's, who's, who's supporting families, who's doing the things that build up the family and the community and allow people to practice about their the presidential faith. race. Sean? You know, yeah. I'm talking about politics. What yeah. happened to you, Jack? I mean, you're a life, you're, you're, you're obviously, a, a, you're a thinking man. You're a, you're an insightful pondering person. Um, and you're a Democrat. Um, right. what happened? What, why were you there? Why did you become a Trump supporter? Why are you partnering with Republican Ron DeSantis who's running for the, the uh, the presidency as a Republican, what the hell happened? 
Well, I, my faith led me here. You know, I, I, I was a Democrat my entire life. Why? Because uh, I was taught that those were the principles um, that aligned with me. You know, those were the principles that looked out for the marginalized, that looked out for the underserved and the uneducated and to give uh, a, a person a leg up. That's always been my focus. I was just misguided. And so um, Donald Trump really did something for me. He, he, he educated me on the depths of the of the, the corruption in the system, starting to mm-hmm. understand what was really going on behind the curtain. Uh, and so I had before, you know, I was, I, I, I'll admit, I was a little gullible. You know, I, I, I just, you know, I trusted the politicians. I trusted the system and really didn't look in. And so when I started digging in and, you know, and saw the 94 crime bill was, was written by Joe Biden and pushed by Bill Clinton, who I at the time loved. Right. And then I started digging even deeper uh, into, you know, what what Obama was doing and, you know, the whole, you know, LGBTQ agenda. And, you know, he was really the the mascot for it and how much money they were pouring into him and the reasons he was making the decisions he was making. I just I couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, seeing the, the foreign corruption, I mean, Donald Trump showed me all that. And so. I mean, when he came down that escalator, uh, for me, it was a huge awakening. And I voted for him in 2016. It was the first he was he was until last year. He was the only or last election. He was the only Republican I had ever voted for. <laughs> Literally, I voted for Donald Trump and all Democrats down the line mm-hmm. away from him. Just because in my, it, I was just hard to it was hard for me to comprehend that I was voting <laughs> for a Republican. And and. And man, when he became president and the things he do uh, and the way he stood up for life and the way he stood up um, for, for faith and organizations, you know, it really changed me. And, and there was a reason why I called him the first black president. People thought I was crazy. I got mocked. Yeah. I mean, I got harassed from from particularly the black community. But now you see everybody is jumping on the bandwagon as they as they're persecuting him the way that they persecuted Martin Luther King and the way they persecuted Malcolm X and other black leaders. They're doing the same thing to him. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, some I, of the same forces. It's like the FBI. Exactly. <laughs> but is that really resonating? Is yes, that really is. resonating? Because we're hearing I'm hearing both sides of that. Right, Jack. And, and this is so fast. I want to talk about the black vote in, 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 in the next for the next election, because I've heard people say, you know, first of all, as you said, black people experience real wage increases, um, real right. tangible changes to their economic family, you know, table issues. And so people saw their 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 incomes increase, their lifestyle get better under Trump. Then they had the pandemic. Then they had Joe Biden. And things have just really collapsed economically. So people are feeling it, the inflation, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's also this other thing you're talking about, which is seeing the justice system go after somebody truly unfairly. And, 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 and and so I've heard some people say, well, black people understand that. And, and this is going to make a difference in the next election. And then I've heard other people say, no, that's not true. Or even that it's, it's racist to say that a mugshot of Donald Trump, um, you know, might get the attention of the African-American community um, in, in that sort of justice conversation. So talk to me about that. 
Well, whenever you go into the heart of Atlanta and you hear people screaming free Trump, <laughs> it's resonating. Something's, to, something's <laughs> happening. Um, and I think, you know, listen, we would we would all be lying to ourselves if we sit here and say that African-Americans throughout the history of America have been treated fairly in the criminal justice system. We just know that that's not true. Not Even true. still here in the state of Florida, you know, there's certain uh, places where, you know, African young African-American kids are just treated differently. And it's not always because they're black. Sometimes it's because they don't have the resources to get as good of an attorney or they don't sure. have the representative there or they're from a community that a lot of people are getting shot, killed or murdered. And the judge is tired of it. <laughs> so I right. mean, there's 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 reasons, but because but for, for but it's it, happening, but it's happening, and for us to deny that, I mean, would would be just you know we'd be lying to ourselves. But I think what Trump is doing now is he's exposing the depth of the corruption, yeah. and I think it's just it's ironic to see that the side by side, right? The Bidens and their crime and the things that they're doing and no one says a word about it. But yet, you know, Trump is being persecuted all over the country from these different state AG's offices. And I think people are going to wake up to that. It's only going to be so long where they can't show that. Um, and, I, and and it's, it's no different. I mean, look at Nelson Mandela. When did he become more popular? When he was in prison. Sure. I mean, you you start arresting people. Uh, and the common man is just not okay with that, um, particularly when they know and see the corruption of, of those in power. And I think, you know, that's what that's what the, that's where the spirit of my comments were uh, almost seven years ago when I called President Trump the first black president. I was talking about him, but I was also talking about Barack Obama. I I refuse to sit back and have a man who was the president of the United States, who continues to divide our nation and call us racist when 68% or whatever the number was of people voted for him, and the majority of them were white. And so for him not to admit that America has 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 made great gains, it has a long way to go, and every country does. We're, 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 we're people created in, in, in sin, right? We're living in sin. It's not like we're, we're, we're a perfect people. You're going to have issues all over the, the country, but for a man to go uh, and literally uh, completely deny the word of God who claims to be a Christian, um, you know, defiled, defiled marriage, uh, biblical marriage, just changed the definition of that, uh, and then to sit in office for eight years and practically do no major policies to help African-Americans. Then you have this white businessman from New York who's been in over 120 rap songs, I'll say. He's <laughs> been mentioned in 120 <laughs> rap songs. This guy comes down the escalator and all of a sudden creates the greatest economy for African-Americans in the history mm -hmm. of America. And he's, yeah. everything he said he was going to do, he's done. And so to, for, for me not to say that He's the first black president. I would be being disingenuous. I'm not going to support someone just off of their skin color. My right. comment, on, my comment on black went way deeper than melanin in the skin. My yeah. comment on black went to the service in the hearts of black people who is actually helping our most underserved. And not that all blacks are poor. I'm not saying that just like I'm not saying every black father is no good. What I'm saying is, is we have a crisis. Where from a percentage wise in America, a lot of blacks are living in, in poverty and they shouldn't be and they don't have to be if we, right. if we elect the right people.
We'll have more of this conversation after this. Yeah, and you would have yeah. thought Barack Obama, being fatherless himself, would have taken up that issue or even criminal justice reform. But he didn't take up that issue. Donald Trump let you take up that issue. And then you and then he also did cr- uh, criminal justice reform. You know, Jack, I, it's the, you, you've, you've sparked a lot of thoughts for me. But if we look at we're, we're Catholics, but look at the early Christians as the as the Romans and others thought they could kill Christians and kill the faith. The, the the church was built on the blood of martyrs. A hundred percent. Right. And you think you can kill Donald Trump by by indicting him one time? He got stronger. It's like the death right. of a martyr. It's like you indict him a, a second time and he gets stronger. You indict him a third time, even stronger. And a fourth time, his numbers go up even further. It's like it's almost like, you know, the 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 martyr's blood that builds a church and a in a in a faith across the globe. They're trying to kill Donald Trump, and remarkably, he only gets stronger over the course of their persecution. And we go, we go back to the to the African American vote. And again, you look at the polling; you know, black women hate him, but black men actually kind of like him. And and so, what he got? What twelve? What twelve percent of the vote in the last election? Does 20, he, he got he got twenty no, percent of the 20%. black man, male vote. Yeah, he got no, 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 of the total vote of the total no, no, of the total black vote. Twenty percent of black men voted for Donald Trump. What do you predict it will be this time? Yeah, where where are we going? I think we're going to get high thirties, definitely high thirties. Maybe that changed, maybe that, that might that, change the election. That changes. It the will change election. the election. It will change the election. You know, my only prayer is that when we get time for that, that the campaign and this is and this is something that it's it's Trump, but it's really his his senior staff and different people. If Trump is the nominee, they need to really engage with african-americans and that's not using people to as spokesmen that's actually having some people in the room he needs some real black folks in his cabinet he needs some real black folks in in these positions that can impact and i'm talking about whether it's the it's whether it's the uh, the department of education i'm talking about the the, the department of, of of justice i'm talking about the areas where black people need to be uplift uplifted i mean he was great putting ben crossing in in in, in hood and god bless ben i think he did an amazing job but mm. put somebody in there that's been in these streets put somebody in there that understands what's going on in this nation and can actually speak to it fix it and address it quickly we don't have a lot of time you got four years it it, you, mm-hmm. it it has to be impactful stuff and it needs to be experts and people in this field and if we really engage with the black community this time around we're gonna not just win but you're gonna unite the nation and that's what needs to happen we don't need to, we need to stop focusing on winning elections and we need to start focusing on uniting this nation 100 and i think and check- do, do also you shouldn't I'm always amazed. I think Donald Trump does an amazing job campaigning, but he hasn't gone into the black community. He hasn't. No. Where, where, where's a where's a rally? You know, where's he going to a church? Where's he doing things that? Because I, I why I, doesn't I, he do I, that? I was in poli- I was in I was a I was a Republican congressman for ten years. You go to the places, the places that you might feel are a little uncomfortable, the places where people might not always love you, but if you want to win votes, you got to go see him. You got to show up. You know up. who is going there? I have to give him credit, Vivek Vivek Ramswamy. And by the way, Vivek, Jack, has been going in talking about immigration policy. And he has been getting massive response to the point where the New York Times is trying to say, 
oh no, he didn't get that response. I was there. And Vivek showing the, the footage and showing, oh, are you kidding me? Everyone in the room was agreeing with me on this policy. So, right. so let's talk about why isn't Donald Trump going, I have so many questions for you. Why isn't Donald Trump going into those neighborhoods? I wanted to get, understand what the reaction, your reaction to the mugshot has been. Mm-hmm. And I also, I'm going to ask you a touchy question because I know you like them both. Yeah. Talk to me about <laughs> talk to me about Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump. The question so I thought with, about, but I didn't. I want to put you on the spot. Let's talk Jeff, about all three Rachel. of those. Yeah. Let's start with yeah. that. Let's talk with Do- let's talk with Donald Trump versus <clears throat> Ron DeSantis because I like them both too. And I'm not from Florida. I imagine I feel even stronger if I was from Florida about about liking him. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's one of those decisions that when when people ask me, I say the same thing. Obviously, I like them both. I work with them both. If you ask me who's ready right now, day one, to run the country, um, I, I, I can't deny the impact that President Trump had. I think his policies and his approach was one that worked, and I think it'll work again. Now, if you ask me, um, if I look at long term, who can help this nation over the long term, I think Ron DeSantis is going to make an incredible president of the United States. And so, you know, for me, for me, I don't think the American people have to decide between the two. I think that and that was one thing that I disagree with, frankly, with both of them for doing. I think the way that they're going at each other makes no sense. I I think that um, they were they were both not advised very well. Uh, And I think the the issues that they had between each other could have been easily worked out you know if i'm if i'm playing wide receiver and i'm the second receiver on the team right or i'm the backup wide receiver on the team and i get a chance to go be the starter somewhere or, or or take your position i'm gonna try to take your position that still doesn't mean you can't be my friend and so that's right. why that's that's where both of them have rubbed me wrong a little bit uh i would have had much more class with that or insisted that my campaign have a little bit more class in that that's my reaction to that. That now, now to, go ahead. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say, how about the mugshot that Rachel asked about? The mugshot. I mean, listen, I I, I go to prisons all the time, so you know I'm around. <laughs> a bunch of, I'm, about, I'm around a bunch of dudes with mugshots. So uh, I thought. I thought he killed that mugshot. I don't I know. If you're gonna get a mugshot, that was the way to do it, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where this man is anointed with something, man. For him to even be able to go, I could, how do you even repeat that? I wouldn't be able to do that in the mirror if I tried, especially at the exact time where they snapped that picture. I I don't know. I think it was, uh, you know, I, I think it was a higher power uh, over that, and it, it'll go viral, and, you know, it'll be one of those those photos that my great-great-great-great-grandchildren uh We'll, we'll know the story of we just got to make sure that that the real story is told at that's that right time. my favorite my favorite meme since the mugshot and there's been a lot of them as you all know um is there's a side-by-side picture of donald trump and with the mugshot with the mugshot his just yeah. kind of staring down and there's an eagle and the eagle is staring down it's almost like mm. it, it just they it, there's a very similar <laughs> look of a mean eagle kind of staring down um it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this election if you're right jack brewer and we're gonna you know we're gonna see if if, if donald trump becomes a nominee and i suspect he will be 
Um, and I think it's kind of time for Republicans to unite. The forces on the other side are just so strong that if we keep dividing, it's not good. But, you know, not I think don't. No, it's not good. I think Don, you're right. I think Donald Trump is ready. He's proven he can take the hits to the head and and get right back up. He, he lets it fall right off of him. He's, he doesn't have a thin skin. He's got a quick answer for, you know, how to deal with all that stuff. He's got he as you said, he had success. So I think all of that's in place and it'll be interesting to see if he becomes a nominee. If you're right about what you think will happen with the male vote um, yeah. for Donald Trump. That will change the election. Can I ask one last question for you? Yeah, but I didn't answer the other one, and I really want to answer it. Which okay, answer that one. What, Go ahead. What he has to do in the black community, and what yes, the let's say that's that's important. Yep, in the black community, the Republicans have to. Um, like you said, not just go there. And Sean made a good point. You got to go in into the crowd, but you got to start looking like them. And what I mean, like, by that is, you gotta, you can't just go somewhere and not have real voices. The one knock I will say about President Trump is his, from his cabinet position to the people running his campaign, it doesn't look like America, and he needs to fix that. In my opinion, he needs to yeah. make sure that he has diverse thought, and that he doesn't have a few people who are leading him down these rabbit holes. I think that's the difference between Vivek. Vivek right now has Kathy Burnett and all these dynamic people in his kind of circle, his inner circle, these people that are just grassroots fighters. Mm -hmm. I agree. What, that's what Donald Trump had in 2016. That was the difference. Now we got the same people making the, all the decisions. They're, they're the guys keep who, who, whoever are controlling who gets to see him, who doesn't, who gets this influence, that influence. And if you look at these folks, unfortunately, most of them have never really served. They've never no. really done, they've never really accomplished a whole lot, right? And I understand you got to keep people that you trust, but I think that's going to bite us again like it did in 2020. It bit us because we were not out there doing what Sean just said. And I think that to do that, you got to have the actual people with that clout in the communities, and that's what we need to do. We need the to message win. matters, but so does the messenger. So I just I'm, I'm, gonna, right. I'm gonna can I can I have a moment of honesty with you, Jack? Because yep. Rachel's heard me say this. Um, I don't know that I've said this, you know, on a podcast or anything. But I, I look at you know I thought Donald Trump was a great president for every American. I right. think he could have done a better job in, in in what you're talking about. You're right, um, and I know I knew this in Congress. Even from men and women, we think differently. Everyone from different experiences thinks differently about issues and having a wide array of perspectives is, is important for any any leader. I 100% agree with that, Jack. And you can't represent people if you don't have the perspective of those people in in the team you have around you. So I agree with that. But I look at I look at Trump what he did for the economy. You know, right. and again, we can name small things, but they're big things. I mean, the criminal justice reform Trying to go well. What else is important? Well, this, the 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 historically black colleges, you know, need longer term funding. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. And I think he tried to do things that I think were pointed, and and showing action and carrying carrying through action in the policies that he fought for. The Democrats actually didn't join him on. They actually fought him on it. Right. And in the end, he got a a a, a slight increased sliver of a vote of the community. And I, I kind of throw my hands up and go, I don't think 
you know, black Americans are going to vote for Republicans. I just don't. I mean, maybe Hispanics might, but well, our, we're definitely our black more Americans, persuadable. So, so, There's so, no so, question. So that I'm me, like, what? Well, well, so why are you yeah, trying? That's yeah, a bad. That's, that's a really negative point of view, Jack. Yeah, I'm no, saying this to you for you to. I'm ready for you to light me up a little bit, but I'm like, what? A, what's going on? Because with Democrats, let me, let me Democrats, they're po- most. I mean, I guess maybe I don't want to generalize, but we're people. We're people of faith, and 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 the LGBTQ. I mean, all this crazy stuff that's happening right. from Democrats in the schools. Yeah, how in the right. hell does that fit with, you know, uh, African American Christian families, Christians? I mean. What is going on? I, that's my, that's hot. Yeah. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. First off, the black, the black, the black culture, the black church culture is the old black culture. It ain't the yeah. current. Yeah. So we that's just got to, I mean, say it. that's yeah. the old playbook and, and, and that it ain't it. Now they're, they're twerking and, and dancing. Yeah. So that's the unfortunate reality. Um, I'll say that, but to your, to your point on, on why. So, Take the HBCUs for for example, right? There was not a single HBCU president who supported Donald Trump publicly. When and and I think that's a direct reflection on his administration. I'm gonna tell you right now, if I was over the Board of Education or the Department of Education, or I was on that cabinet and I was setting up the meetings with them black presidents, I'd have had a talk with them. We'd have had some support coming up out of there it wouldn't yeah. have been my bill it'd have been our bill right it wouldn't have been my message it'd have been our message i think when you when you focus on yourself so much it's hard to be a true <laughs> servant that yeah. people are going to be able to communicate for you he makes it too much about him i think if he takes a step back and humbles himself if a humble man passes a law that uh, that frees 11,000 black men in the course of a year and a half, which the First Step Act does. I would have had every single state Department of Corrections officer uh, heads in my office. I would have had every um, criminal justice, major criminal justice, nonprofit and agency in my office when I passed that bill. I wouldn't have just had my white guys and my and my um a son-in-law and all of those yep. people in the room when I'm yep. doing those type of things. That's me. Yeah, been, it would have been our bill, not my bill. And I think that is his problem. He no one, no one in his cabinet or no one around him would tell him that. I would. And so I agree with you, Sean, to a point, but I think when you make everything about you. Everything becomes about you. And it's yeah. very hard to communicate with people that may not see eye to eye with you, may not be raised like you, may not have a lot of stuff in common with you when you don't do things that include them. And none of that included these people. I'm telling you, or you would. So, you, so you're saying he helped them, but he didn't create a real coalition with them and no. bring them on board. I of course you. not. How yeah, you gonna and get you're right. Jared million? was running. Jared was running that, right? Yeah, that, that's the cancer. Nobody gonna tell him that, but that's your cancer. <laughs> I mean, you can't yeah. have. You can't have. Listen, Sean. I'm a real dude, right? I'm keeping mm-hmm. it 100 with you, right? You can't have the same guy leading everything, controlling who comes in. Who you're not building no yeah. coalitions. So yeah. it, 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 that's the reason why he didn't get the traction from all them great policies 
is because you weren't including people in there. Yeah. People, some people wanted to take credit um, and they had their <laughs> own agendas and they didn't have the agenda of the community. And it's hard. It's harder to get that perspective if people like Jack Brewer, for example, aren't in the room to remind them. I mean, this is new. But by the way, to be fair, this was new territory for Republicans to be in. Um, yes. You know, this was new territory and it would have been helpful to have people who know those communities and we're going to make those communities versus their own egos and, you know, agendas the priority. I, I think that is an absolutely fair thing to say, Jack, I think. And I think it reflects a lot of what happened. Yeah, and, and, I, and I and I think you're you're opening my eyes, Jack. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. That's that's right. And and when you have a community that's not used to voting for you, you sure as hell better build a coalition of people yeah. around you you know, with messaging that says, you know what, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for all of us. We all did this together. You're absolutely right. And what, but, but one, oh, go ahead, Rachel. I just say well, what I've been hearing from the Trump campaign and others have said, and I've seen it in news reports is that Jared is taking a backseat in the next administration. Do you, do you think that would be helpful? Um, or do you think that's a good thing? Do you believe it? I don't believe it fully, but I think if, if, if president Trump came out, you know, and no different than Ivanka says she's done with politics. Trump needs to come out and say this time around, I'm not. He will not be my senior advisor. I, 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 I it's it's the wrong look for America. Um, he's not. It didn't serve anything. the president well. It didn't serve America no, well. No, it didn't. I, serve I know. America I, I personally and, and, know. And, I personally know I, a governor. I personally know a governor. I won't say the name. I personally know a governor who went into a meeting with Donald Trump, asked for something to happen for that person's state, came out thinking that thing was well, going Trump, to happen. Trump said yes. Trump said yes. And then as the as that governor, again, I won't say who, walked out, that governor told me that Jared told that governor, sorry, I know the president said yes to you on that, but that's not happening. And. I know that on a firsthand basis. So like there was a lot of control there. Um, you know, and some people look at Abraham Accords and say that was done well. But I think I what you're talking about, they did great but, stuff that they ended up not getting credit for and not getting getting votes for um, because and, it wasn't and, done. And, in and the I'm way not you said. I'm not here to push back, Jack, but a little bit. I mean, I look at Democrats. I'm like, what the hell have they done for the community? They talk with they talk great games. They say a lot of nice things. But people's lives aren't better and they take votes for granted and, you know, they come around every two or four years. They know, but they stay in the community. That's the difference. They, yeah, they, they, they might, they, but the policies don't, the po the policies are hurting people. Yeah. And it's like, Sean, and, and, people and don't understand that. they're not going, they can't comprehend policy. You know, some yeah. people don't understand a lot. They never read a bill. They don't understand what a bill looks like, but they do understand if you give Who them shows a up? $700 check. Right. Or if you yeah. if 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 you if you cancel their their college debt, like they understand those things. They're basic. Most people are are simple minded in this basic. Right. They just they, they got other stuff to do. The surface. They're yeah. right. They're moving around. But I agree. I agree. But with 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 Jared, Jared was incredible at writing policy. First step back. Abraham Accord. Incredible. with writing policy. Writing policy is only a fraction of yeah. what it requires to lead a nation. The number one thing you need as a leader, and I've said this my entire career, 
is to unify. If you can't unify, you are not a leader. There's you can hire policy people. You can hire people to write policy. You can hire people to write promotion plans. You can hire people to do all of that. You cannot hire anyone that can unify. That is an anointing. I believe Donald Trump can unify the nation. I just don't think he can do it when the people that he has empowered, right, have so much control that they lose his vision. And they don't know how to go into the community and articulate his vision. He has a complex history and a complex past that's going to require folks who are from these communities to actually run and lead these initiatives. And if he doesn't do that this time around, <laughs> we're going to do have you have his ear? Here. Do you have his ear to do that? To tell him? No, I don't have his ear to tell him. We're going to change that, Jack. We're going to change that. Cause because, you know what? Yeah. The, you can't have his, you can't have his ear one-on-one because there's too many, there's too many layers and the people that are layers. I know them all. And I don't even talk to him about it because I I see that is it that's their security blanket. So when you you can run a you can run your company like that, right? Your business because your business you can measure, you know, through growth and financials and all that. You can't run a nation like that because right. a nation a, na- a nation has a lot of other issues you got to deal with other than bottom line. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'll tell you if I if I had a Jack Brewer and if I was president, I could have a Jack Brewer in my or- orbit to help me with I think the greatest opportunity ever to make inroads into the African American community. Um I would not pass that up. I would not allow, you know, whatever is going on internally in my campaign to stop that from happening. That that really should change. I, I hope somebody from Trump's team is listening because I think it's a missed opportunity. It's interesting with the Hispanic community, Jack. I think um, they are they need they have they responded to Trump's economic policies, Amen. probably because such a large percentage of them are small business owners. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they start businesses at three times the rate of the average American. And I think that they saw in Donald Trump a businessman as they every small businessman. Yeah. I, I know a guy who's a construction worker, a, a relative of Sean's. You know, he's a, he has a small construction business in Sean's small town. And he's like, yeah, Donald Trump's like me. He gets it. He gets he's a businessman just like me. <laughs> so anyone who started a, as a business feels that affinity for somebody who sees the world through that business lens. And so I think a lot of Hispanics saw that they felt the impact of of the economy under Trump because it helped the working class. And so um, there's that. I want to ask you really quick about the black women's vote. Is that a possibility for, for Trump to make inroads there? Why, why, why are black women not interested in voting for Donald Trump? Because black, black women are, are, you know, oftentimes can't get over uh, some of the media lies that they've just been fed. Right. They see they see this white man billionaire uh, that is the left is trying to paint as, as racist. Um, but they don't see the pictures of him walking down a red carpet with his black girlfriend that he had before he married Ivanka. I mean, uh, yeah, I didn't know that. I actually didn't know that. How much of it do you think is because (laughs) I didn't know that that's interesting. Do you think some of it is because the government has become the baby daddy for so many, um, you know, women who don't have fathers in the home? That 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 the government, that the party that offers more government, as yeah. a as a substitute for that is could that be part of it? I don't think so because I don't think that's the voting block. Um, you know, the the reality is that population 
doesn't even vote as much as mm. you know the middle class African American woman. Interesting, hard working African American woman. I just think that um, that that woman has fell in love with the the Barack Obama message. Um, yeah, I think they've fell in love with the LGBTQ. I think that has a lot to do with with the lack of 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 of, of masculinity in the black community at this time, the lack uh, of, of male prominence and leading our homes and, and setting the standard and morality, moral decay. I think you're seeing, you know, a woman that will accept the Cardi B um, and play that will, will accept the Beyonce and how she dresses and acts and the demonic nature in which she moves and embrace that, that that's what the, the African-American female culture has started to embrace uh, and mm-hmm. I think that that is going to be a tough win for not just Donald Trump, but any Republican. I mean, I could run for president and would have a difficult time getting that that yeah. vote. So, I mean, yeah, that's true. I, I don't I don't know that interesting that demographic that you go after. I think the black male vote is a huge opportunity because the yep. black male vote um, is, is a show me vote. Show me what you're doing for us. It's mm-hmm. not they don't have to. The black man doesn't have to necessarily want to have a beer with you or be your buddy to vote for you. The black yeah. man wants to know that what are you gonna are you gonna do what's what's good for us versus this other guy. And that's, I, and that's what I think the Hispanic vote is at too. Right. Um, I, I think it's there too. Boy, just so much insight um, from you, Jack. This has been a long ranging conversation. I want to thank you. So much for joining us. I encourage people to 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 join the um, to 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 be part of in coalition with the Jack Brewer Foundation to donate yeah. to see what you're doing, um, to encourage other states to follow suit and learn some of the things that you guys are are are, are doing and testing through your programs to help young young kids and also to help um, those who are in prison. Jack Brewer, you are an amazing amazing person. You're somebody that Sean and I always look up to um and it's always a pleasure and an honor to have you on i want to thank you very much for doing that no thank both of you god bless you you're in my prayers and all those beautiful babies you have and keep being a light to the world i'm I'm always honored to uh, have a conversation with you guys whether it's on a on a media platform or in person so uh, you, you know you you are always in my prayers my entire family And it goes right back at you. Thanks so much, Jack Brewer. Thank you very much for joining us at the kitchen table. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 